0: do not be anxious about anything that's the start of the famous verse in our bible passage today philippians 4 and verse 6 and today what i'm going to do is i'm going to try and speak on how you and i how we can know peace rather than anxiety and let's face it what so many of us want what so many of us need what so many of us long for at the moment it is peace In the midst of all the emotion and anger following the sickening killing of George Floyd, in the midst of all the uncertainty and worry around the coronavirus, we long for peace. But before I speak on how the Bible says we can know peace, we need to get clear on what this statement in verse 6 does not mean. Do not be anxious about anything. That does not mean we should not be concerned about anything at all, far from it. You know, we are positively right to be concerned about many things. To those of us, and I include myself in this, who were too apathetic about the issue of racism. To those of us, and I include myself in this, who were too easily silent on this issue. It is positively right for us to be concerned about racial injustice. I shared last Wednesday for our Wednesday evening discipleship session what Priscilla, a member of HDC, she's, she's black, she's in her 20s, what she said to me at the start of last week. And she said this, she said, when I look at George Floyd dying under the knee of a white man and I see in him my brother, my dad, my nephew, all members of HTC should also see him in this way and be just as enraged. And Priscilla is right. For any of us to not care, for any of us to be silent in the face of this injustice, it is to devalue black lives. So when Paul says, when he says do not be anxious about anything, he is not saying don't be passionately concerned about anything at all. Far from it. You and I, we should be passionately concerned for racial justice and racial harmony. We should be passionately concerned for the right strategy to be used in the tackling the coronavirus. There are all sorts of things that it is right to have a concern for. I mean, if you love anything at all, naturally your heart will often be concerned for that thing or that person, won't it? Whether it's racial justice that you love or whether it's your children that you love or whether it's Liverpool Football Club that you love. If you love something, your heart will naturally be concerned for it. So, it's not wrong to be concerned for something, particularly when it's something, when, if you like, if you like, your arrows are pointing outwards, when you're concerned about the well being and justice of others beyond yourself. But what these verses are speaking into is rather more where the arrows are not so much going outwards, but the arrows are, arrows are going inwards. When we're anxious about things that are just of concern for ourselves, when the arrows are going inwards, so they're thinking about our own personal well being. And this word anxious, it's such a strong word, it literally means, it means torn to shreds, that's what the Greek means. It's like your mind and your heart, they are ripped to pieces with anxiety and with worry. And I don't know about you, but for me there are undoubtedly times when I have felt like that, when I have felt torn to shreds with anxiety. I grew up quite a warrior. As I was growing up, my mum used to have this sort of joke with God as to whether I would grow up to be a warrior or a warrior for God. And when I became a Christian age 17, I didn't sort of suddenly stop being a warrior. You know, since then, I have had two times when I've had to take medication for insomnia because I was worrying so much. I've had another time when I I suddenly collapsed on the street and I had all sorts of heart tests to see what was wrong with my heart before they basically said, actually, probably the situation is you collapse due to stress. So I am a natural worrier. But, you know, one of the biggest works God has done in me over the last 26 years that I've been a Christian, it is to make me far less of a worrier. None of those three things I just mentioned, none of them happened in the last 15 years. And so I want to share with you what these verses tell us about how we can be people of peace rather than people of anxiety and worry. You know, when we are faced with, with all sorts of things in our own personal sphere, whatever it might be, A-levels or the lack of them, big work deadlines, a career progression, a relationship breakdown, financial concerns, a disagreement with someone, how we live and act in lockdown, all those sort of things. They're right to be concerned about, but it's not good for you or me to be torn apart with anxiety over those kind of things. How can we be people of peace in the midst of all that? And I reckon it is really worth listening to what the Bible passage says, because, well, well, because as Paul, who wrote Philippians, as Paul dispenses this teaching on the whole area of anxiety and peace, you know, as he dispenses it, he's not sort of sitting in some on some sun lounger in the Maldives. Now, this man, he is in prison. And he has been through all sorts. He's been through floggings and shipwrecks and beatings and persecutions. You name it, he has had it and yet there he is and he is full of peace even whilst he is in prison. And whilst I do undoubtedly think that there is a place for counselling and therapy and medical wisdom in the whole area of anxiety and our mental health. So much so that this coming Wednesday, for for our next Wednesday evening discipleship, before Connect Groups, we're having, for the input for that evening, we're having an interview with Will van der Hart. Will is uh, the pastoral chaplain at HTB. He has written the Worry Book. He runs an organisation called Mind and Soul. And as much as that's important, the most important thing is our relationship with God. You see, peace, peace is not just the absence of anxious thoughts, but it is also the presence of someone who brings you peace. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the image there, it's like a, of a garrison of soldiers. Think of the soldiers in their big sort of, their big beer skin hats outside of Buckingham Palace. They're guarding, garrisoning Buckingham Palace. And it's like your heart and your mind, that is Buckingham Palace. And, and your heart and your mind, they're being guarded, they're being protected, they're being garrisoned from being shredded to pieces by worry and anxiety. Your heart and your mind, they are protected by the peace of God. That is the garrison of soldiers, the peace of God. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So how do you get that peace? I mean, it sounds delightful, doesn't it? But how do you get it? Well, in a sense, it is very simple. In a sense, it's very simple. We need to think rightly and we need to feel rightly. Paul says, doesn't he, he says the peace of God, it guards our hearts where we feel and our minds where we think so firstly verses four to seven are feelings if we feel lots for something if we have our heart totally set on something and then it goes wrong well then we feel devastated don't we I mean it could be anything at all one of our children they had their hearts set on some particular electronic gadget and eventually they got it and then it broke and they were devastated you know, what do, I, what do I love most on this earth? I love Susanna, our children and this church, HTC. But what do I get most torn to pieces about? What do I get most anxious about, Susanna, our children and this church? When things go wrong for them or when things go wrong in my relationship with them. Now, now what's the solution to that? one option is to sort of not feel too much for anything or anybody not to love anything too much you know let's guard our heart from getting anxious from let's guard our heart from worry by not loving anything too much at all but we know what happens if we try that tactic don't we c.s lewis's famous quote he said this he said to love at all is to be vulnerable love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it'll change. It'll not be broken. It'll become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is to love God more than anything else. Because whilst everything else, by definition, it changes, it fails, it perishes, it sins, it lets us down. God doesn't. God doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so if we love him most, then we will be a person who has an overriding peace. Because if our job fails in these uncertain economic times, if somebody lets us down really badly and betrays us, well, our relationship with God, that is still unchanged. Even if the very worst thing happens of all, even if we die, coronavirus or whatever, well, that only actually ultimately makes things better because I then get to be with God face to face, who I love most. Remember what Paul wrote in in chapter one? He said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, That's why... Feelings wise as we're thinking about our feelings Paul writes in this passage he writes verse 4 he says rejoice in the Lord always again I tell you rejoice he says delight in God be passionate about God be joyful about him above all have great feelings for him or, or take verse verse 6 he says when we're, when we're tempted to worry he says actually in every situation present our requests to the Lord in prayer he says because he's the one who That we love most we want to go and talk to him most paul is telling us to feel lots for god so first our feelings have our hearts set on god most of all and then second not just our feelings but our thinking our thinking look at verse 8 verse 8 says finally brothers and sisters Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Most pursuits of peace today will encourage a lack of thinking. You know, they'll say, you're you're anxious, you're anxious. Well, let's work on removing your anxious thinking. Don't have negative thoughts. Let's remove the thinking. And that leads to what Tim Keller has called stupid peace. Peace by not thinking. And it's true, isn't it? If you have a worldview that does not have Jesus Christ at the centre, if you if you believe with Richard Dawkins his famous quote that in a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. If you think that, cheery, isn't it, then the more you think about it the worse you're going to feel aren't you the more depressed the more anxious the more miserable so the answer is without God the answer is think less think less and then you can possibly be peaceful but it will be stupid peace but if you know there is a God then the route to peace is to think more not think less The route to peace is to think more, to think on God and to think through facts about him that are true and noble and right and pure and admirable and praiseworthy. I mean, take take all our children's work here at HTC. With HTC kids over the last year or so, as they've looked each Sunday at all sorts of different bits of the Bible, they've always come back, they've been pointing children back to just four simple truths. Here are the four truths. Truth number one, God loves me. Truth number two, God hears me. Truth number three, God has a plan for my life. And truth number four, Jesus died to forgive my sins. I mean, just think, just knowing those four truths of the gospel, that is going to be revolutionarily positive, isn't it? So with our thinking, with our thinking, we are to think more, not think less. And as we think more, we will grow in peace. So with our thinking, we are to have our minds set on the gospel most of all. Now, of course, we're all going to face all sorts of problems and difficult circumstances. We know that only too well, particularly at this time. But in the midst of any difficulties and complications each one of us face, here is the route to smart peace. Which, of course, really is the only true peace there is. The route to smart peace is to think more. Because the more we think as Christians, the more we think on the wonder and the implication of the gospel, that God cares about you, that he delights in you, that he gave his life for you, that you're a child of his, the more we think, the better we will feel. You see, when I spoke about our feelings earlier, You may well have thought, and I don't blame you if you did, you may have thought, just hang on a moment, Jacob. How can I make myself love God most of all? How can I make myself have all all these amazing feelings? How can I just sort of magic them up within me that I can love God most of all? And and the short answer is you're right, you can't. But as you think on God, as you think on his gospel, how awesome his gospel is, that he, he went to the cross, that Jesus went to the cross and he lost all his peace for you, So that you and I can know peace. As you think on that, as you think on the wonder of the gospel, as you ask God to change your heart by by his spirit. So those feelings of love, those feelings of love and gratitude to God, they will grow. Many of you will know the famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, written by an American lawyer called Horatio Spafford. In 1871, Horatio Spafford lost all he owned in a fire in Chicago. Two years later, his wife and his four daughters, they went on a a ship from the US to the UK. And tragically, the ship collided with another ship and the four daughters, they all drowned. Horatio Spafford's wife, she was rescued unconscious in the water and she was taken back to the UK. And from the UK, she telegrammed back to her husband in the States. just two words, saved alone. So what did Horatio Spafford do? Well obviously he went and got a boat as fast as he could and he too sailed that journey across the Atlantic to the UK. And just imagine for a moment that you just put yourself in his shoes. Think how you'd feel if you were on that boat travelling to the UK just grieving so much in anguish at the loss of your four daughters. Well it was on that journey that Horatio Spafford, he wrote this hymn, It is well with my soul. And how does the hymn go? Well it starts like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How can Horatio Spafford say that? How can he have any sense of peace like a river in the midst of such tragedy? Well, listen to how he continues in the second verse. He says, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control, that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. You see, how does he know peace in the face of such trials? What does he do? He thinks. He thinks on the truth of the gospel. That's what's going on. He is thinking in the second verse. And then he moves on. He moves on in the middle of the third verse from thinking to feeling. The third verse says this. My sin, O oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. It's nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. Now, Isn't that staggering? Isn't that staggering in the face of so many reasons to to feel and to be torn to pieces by anxiety? Instead, what do we see? We see Horatio Spafford. He is thinking on the gospel. He is thinking on the gospel and then he is expressing his feelings for the Lord. He's using his mind and then his heart. And as he does that, he experiences the peace of God guarding his heart and guarding his mind in Christ Jesus. Like Buckingham Palace, his mind and his heart, they are guarded, they are protected, they are garrisoned from being torn to pieces by anxiety. They are guarded by the peace of God. Shall we pray? In our passage it says, the Lord is near, verse 5 says, the God of peace will be with you, verse 9. And he is. He is with you. He is near to you by his Spirit. And many of you listening today, you'll be facing all sorts of very real anxieties and worries at this time. I mean, we are living in the middle of the most uncertain, the most unstable time that I've ever known in my lifetime. Many of us, we will be facing all sorts of worries. I'm going to pray now and I'd love you to, to, to join me in prayer and I want to pray particularly for you if you are feeling full of anxiety, full of worry at the moment, I would love to pray for you right now. So wherever you are, in your sitting room, your kitchen, your bedroom, wherever it might be, shall we turn to pray. Let's pray. Lord I pray today that by your Spirit you would fill each one of us with the assurance that you and your gospel, they are the solution to all our anxieties and worries. That your gospel, that you yourself, you will make us people of peace rather than people of anxiety. Lord, would you help each one of us to have our minds set on the gospel most of all? And would you help each one of us to have our hearts set on you most of all? And as we do that, Lord, would you please, would you give us your peace? Would you give us your peace that transcends all understanding? And may that peace, may it guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Please, Lord, I pray particularly for those facing real Big anxiety at the moment. May you protect them. May you garrison them. May your peace surround them, protect them and guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, do that work right now. Come and work in your people right now. By the power of your spirit. And for your glory we pray.